I hope that everybody was able to have a fulfilling and meaningful Rosh Hashanah. Baruch Hashem in Yeshiva, the Tzilos were beautiful. The Baruch uh, in Yeshiva really participated nicely. It was a very powerful davening. Hashem should answer all our Tzilos for Teva as Hashem. Although we normally talk about the Pasha, Pasha Svayelech, um, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about preparing ourselves a little bit for Yom Kippur. Shabbat Shuvah. Um, and Yom Kippur. Now, in uh, the davening of Musaf, we say this, and on both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we say the Tefillah of Nisan HaTaykif. And in the Tefillah, the, the, the appeal says that Rosh Hashanah called by Erlam Ivan Lufna Kodesh Baruch Hu Kivnei They go in front of a Kodesh Baruch Hu like sheep go in front of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And the Tefillah is really referring to the, uh, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah quotes that, that she Rosh Hashanah called by Elam, even if they Kodesh Baruch Hu, give name Marit, that they all come in front of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, like sheep. And the Gemara has different Pshatim and what that means, give name Marit. And one of the Pshatim, the Gemara says, give name Rana, give name Kvatim Ha'ibim Lutesach Tzad Kedelis Asher. It's Asher. It's like the sheep that go in front of the, uh, you know, they go to the narrow entry when they're doing Maisa Bahama, when they're counting the 10th Bahama, and they're going through counting each each one of the sheep. They look very carefully at each one um, as they're counting. And that's how we go through dinner. Akash Baruch looks at each and every one of us with our situation, and our, with our talents, with our capabilities, with our challenges. Akash Baruch gives a din for each person has his own din, catered special for him. Now, <clears throat> the Maisa, we also find in the Slichas that were compared to the Seh, to the sheep. And it's really, the Pasuk that's quoted in the Slichas on the third day of Aseh's Mechuva is the Pasuk in Yermia, Seh Pezura Anu Meshulim, that were com- compared to scattered sheep, sheep that are spread apart. Now, what's the Pshat in that? The Slicha tells us that Christ souls compared to scattered sheep. What's the message of Yermir trying to tell us? So there's a there's a Yid, Ravam Yisrael Solomon, that says the following. says that a sheep's tendency is really to be a very weak animal. It's very weak, physically weak, and it doesn't really have the power to be able to stand up to its enemies. Let's say there's a wolf that's trying to get to to a sheep, so the, the sheep, you know, could be overcome by the wolf very easily. So what's the protection that the sheep has? When they stay together in groups, when they go as a flock together, then they're able to stay in groups. And that's really what a sheep often tries to do, is to get them to be a point where they're separated from each, from each other, and they that's when they try to take advantage of them and to be able to attack them. So the Navi is telling us, the Navi Yermi is telling us that Klai Yisrael is like that set Zuribi Yisrael. It's like that scattered sheep. And when Klai Yisrael is in a situation where they're scattered, then that's a very dangerous thing. Because then our enemies, which are, there are many of them inside the world, are much more powerful and they, take, they can take advantage of us. But on the contrary, when Klai Yisrael is in the month of Achtos, everyone's together, we're all in one, and we're in unison, 
So then that gives the Kayach less to be able to stand up against our enemies. So first of all, we see from here that an important Kayach for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, for a person to be able to be Zaycha and Din, and to be safe from the challenges, the enemy, and even from the serious, the, the intensity of the din, is when we stay together as a rabbi, we stay together. Now the Gemara Rosh Hashanah brings the, uh, <clears throat> the contradiction in the Psukim. It's really, you know, the, uh, the Melech of Kayisol, Chizkiyar Melech was a big tzaddik, um, and he got married later and had children later, and he had a son, that uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't the tzaddik that he was, to say the least. He had a son, Menashe. This Menashe, who was a king, and he did all types of terrible things. And at one point, he wasn't just the son of Chizkiyo Amelech, but he was also the grandson of Yeshua Anovi. And he paskined a din on his grandfather, Yeshua Anovi, that is Chayv Misa. He was really ready to kill him even without that, but he came in the, it was through his own uh, his own calculations that his grandfather Yeshua Navi is Chayv Misa, because Moshe Rabbeinu said a number of things, uh, and Yeshua Navi seemed to say differently than him. The fact that he wanted to say differently than Moshe Rabbeinu, my grandfather is Chayv Misa. Now, one of the things that he he you know he had a tie on his grandfather about was that <coughs> the Fasik the Pasuk in uh, in uh, in Sefer Dvarim, in Pashat Veschanon, that Moshe Rabbeinu tells us that Kaisel has a schus Kashem Elekeinu B'chol Kareinu Elof. The Kaisel has a schus that Hashem is there when, whenever you want you can call out to Him and you're able to reach Him. So the Kosh is always available to hear our cries and to hear what we, have to, what we have to say in every situation, in every place. And then the Navi Yeshaya, his grandfather said, Dear Shur Hashem Himatso. We read this on Tzayim Gedalia <clears throat> by Mincha Naftaya. You should search and look out for Kosh when he's available and found to us. Sounds like he's not always available, like Moshe Rabbeinu told us. Only when when we have to be able to look at those opportunities. And we know that one of the times that the Rabbim tells us is during Tshuva, this is the time where Kosh Baruch is available for us to be able to reach out to him and to get to him. And Yeshua Navi was telling us, look, search for Hashem and try to uh, to to reach him when he's available. <coughs> that Yeshua Navi, that Menashe uh, thought was a contradiction, and to Moshe Rabbeinu said Hashem is always available, and he passed him to his grandfather's Chaimisa, and Chazal tell us that Yeshua Navi didn't want to bother uh, arguing it out with his grandson Menashe, because uh, if he argues it out with him, then he knew his grandson was going to kill him anyways, so then his grandson was going to be amazed, he's going to be doing it amazed consciously, killing his grandfather, and here, if he thinks it's a if he, he thinks it's in a, a you know, in a din that he's supposed to be killed, at least he's not amazed when he kills him. So Yeshua Navi tried to escape by doing something <coughs> to bring himself not to be available for Menashe to kill him. And then Menashe caught up with him and he did. He wound up killing his grandfather, Yeshua Navi. So how do we answer that steer? How do we answer that contradiction? And on, one, on the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us that Hashem is always available to us and Yeshua Navi tells us only when you have to get him when you, at certain times. So the Gemara answers, the answer is, it depends if it's Batsiba, if it's when you're Tziba, we're all together as a, as a cloud together, then any time a Kosh is available to answer our feelings and to God too. But when we're a Yachid, when we're single, and we're not, and we're not as one group, then that's 
much more of a challenge. And dur- during a Thursday night tshuva, right, during those days, HaKadosh Baruch is available, and then we have to, therefore we have to get HaKadosh Baruch when he's available. We see from here, though, that the Kayach of Atzibah being together again, just like we saw before, that when Klai Yisrael is separate, there's like those scattered sheep, it's a situation where it's dangerous, and therefore we, you know, we're prone to the enemy to be able to attack us. So too we see from here that when we have the Kayach of Atzibah together, everyone together, then there's a emphasis on being able to accomplish with Atzibah much, much more. And even the times where, let's say, Seemingly, the Hakadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't be as available. He becomes available just because we're coming forth to him in in a form of a tibur. Now, it's an interesting thing that during Aseret Simei Tshuva, like if you look at the Rambam Hilchos Tshuva, the Ten Prakim Hilchos Tshuva, and we talk about the different ways how to do Tshuva, how a person has charata, he has regret, and he has makes a kabbalah, you know, for the for the future that he's not going to do it again. The different stages for doing Tshuva. But the Rambam tells us that even though a person could be forgiven for a <coughs> from mit for a naveru that he did, but if he did something if he did something which offended his friend, until he has mechila from him, it's not going to work. And that's something which is very powerful when there's mechila and there's a, there's there's a good feeling between one yid and the next. Now, I think that, you know, there's many reasons for it, but I think one of the reasons which we can understand now as well is, is that when we're trying to be a Kaya in unison, there can't be pure, there can't be separation, there can't be differences between one another, and that's a Kaya for us to be able to have a schus. And he's brought down in the Torah in Shulchan Aruch, it talks about the mitzvah of a person being Ratz's friend, trying to appease his friend, and to, to be able to... Um, to let him, uh, to, you know, to ask his, his uh, to ask him to, you know, to forgive him, and he has, he has to go one time, two times, three times to try to appease him. Now the tour brings from the Perkei Eliezer the following. The Perkei Eliezer says, "Raya Samuel shloim nimsa chet Yisrael." Samuel the Malach of Esav, right? He saw that there was no sin happening in Klai Yisrael, B'yom HaKippur. He saw Klai Yisrael was clean from Avera on Yom Kippur. And he came, the Samal usually tries to get, to work against us and to be the accusing uh, Malach, came here and he says, the master of the world, there's a nation that you have in this world, they're like angels, ministry angels. Why? Just like the ministering angels, they don't walk around with shoes, they walk barefoot. Look, the Kaisa also is walking without shoes on Yom Kippur, having no shoes. They're not running around everywhere, getting up and running around everywhere. They stay in one place, in one place, they're standing on Yom Kippur and the davening. Just like the angels, they're pure from all. So to Chai Yisrael now purify themselves with the vidu that they clear themselves from Avera. Just like the Malachi Yisrael, there's peace between them. So to Chai Yisrael, there's peace between them. So we see from here the schus for Chai Yisrael is the fact that there has to be peace between us. Listens to the testimony of of, of the uh, for those accusing angels, 
and it winds up being an atonement for Tal Yisrael. So here again we see, brought down the tour, the importance of there being good feelings between each other and not and not having period, not having difference difference of opinion. Now this is a very important thing, and people sometimes don't take this as seriously. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but a person has to realize that when there's period and there's kpeda, when people are mocked on each other, that can be something which can be very 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 detrimental to a person in debt, both as far as quality itself in itself as far as being us, because we have everyone together as a group, and in unison we have the power for our tools to be answered, even in cases where we might not be being answered normally. But there's another point to keep in mind as well. You know, the, uh, there's many stories that are brought down. I just saw one recently. There was a Tamil Chochem that Israel that, um, that met a certain Kael uh, Avrech, right? It was an older Avrech, somebody was older, you know, somebody in his fifties, and this person's name was uh, Rav David, let's say, right? It's a true story. And he comes to this Rav, and he says to him, "Can I ask you a personal question?" Yeah. He says, "Okay, tell me the question. Let me hear the question." He says, "Many years ago, I learned in a in a cheder in Yerushalayim, and." You know, I didn't finish all eight years in that cheder for different reasons because I had a certain thing that happened to me while I was there. I was in fifth grade, and one of the boys in my class came to school with an envelope filled with a large amount of money. Why do you have money inside an envelope? His mother wanted him to go take care of something, to pay a certain bill, maybe an electric bill, take care of a bill. And she had uh, she gave him the money. He felt he was responsible to take that money and to go to to to, to pay the bill. You know, so that she shouldn't have to schlep. And she gave it to him. And he was being very responsible about it. He kept checking the money and seeing what was there. He was counting it to make sure that nobody took it. Every now and then he kept taking it out to take a look and he put it back inside. At one point, the uh, one of the boys in the class decided that um, that it would be a good idea to play a little bit of a joke. So what he did was, is that he took the the envelope out of the when it was a, when it was a break, he ran to this uh, boy's uh, knapsack, and he took out the envelope, and he put it into another boy's knapsack. Put it into another boy's knapsack. After the break, everybody came inside, and then the boy came to check his knapsack to make sure everything was safely there. And he started to scream, "It's missing! It's missing! Somebody stole! There's a gun up here! Somebody stole my! Somebody stole my uh, money over here!" And everyone just started getting nervous, right? Now the Rebbe saw what was going on. He realized it was a serious thing, and he was afraid that maybe somebody took it. So he locked the door to the room. Again, what should have been done, what should have been done, that's up for discussion. The Rebbe locked the door to the room, and he spoke to all the boys about the severity of taking from somebody else and he explained to them it's important for him to know that somebody took something and he asked every single one of the boys to please empty their pockets and every single boy emptied their pockets onto the table they couldn't find it so then the teacher decided okay I'm going to check the briefcases he checked briefcase after briefcase until he finally found it inside this uh, briefcase this, this knapsack and it happened to be my knapsack that he found it in. That's the story he's throwing over to this rough. I was taken as 
by the entire class is a ganef. They all stared me down. They all gave me nasty looks. And I didn't know where it came from. I started to cry to the, to the Rebbe. I said, I'm telling you, I never did such a thing. I never took it. It wasn't, it wasn't me. I never took it. I never would have t- taken something like this. I didn't know how in the world this thing got to my, to my, to my briefcase. Now, the Rebbe saw that my cry was not just a cry. My Rebbe saw that my cry was a sincere cry. And he believed me that there wasn't any turn to the Talmudim. And he said, whoever was the one that did this act of playing this joke on this boy over here, he did two things which were wrong. First of all, he stole the money. And secondly, he's framing somebody over here, Maitzi Shemra, that this person is making him guilty for something he didn't do. Now, the Rebbe tried to stick up for me and to be able to help me, but that didn't help because the kids in the class were still convinced that I was the person that stole the money and I was known as Dava Daganov. And they constantly walked around calling me Dava Daganov, Dava Daganov, Dava Daganov. And I tried to avoid being, you know, the pain that I had from it until at one point I told my parents, I just can't go back to the, I can't go back to the, to the, to the school anymore. And I can tell you, Till this day, I'm scarred from that. The embarrassment, the uncomfortability, the accusation for something that I never did and I never never, never was involved in something like that, I just could never get over the pain. But I went on with life and I went on to another cheder and I went on to, to Yeshiva Chitana High School and I went on to Yeshiva Gedela and I went on to Kailo and I got married. I got married with the Kailo and I had children and grandchildren and here I am in my 50s all of a sudden, one day, my telephone rings in my house, and I answer the telephone, and somebody says, Shalom, hello, is this David? I said, yeah, who's this? I said, I don't know if you remember me, my name is Yosef, we're like together in Cheder, and he says, uh, yeah, I remember you, what's what's doing, how's everything, how's, how's everything since then, yeah, I remember you from, from fifth grade, he says, you probably remember the whole story that happened Kitahay with the envelope, because yeah, yeah, how can I forget? It's something which, which uh, left me with uh, difficulties for for years and years and years. Um, you know, <clears throat> that's why I left the cheder. That's why I left the. That's why I left school. But why are you calling me now? I want to tell you something. I have to admit to you, I'm the one that put the envelope into your thing. So I thought to myself, okay, you're calling me now, but why are you calling me forty years later? Where were you for the last four years? What happened? You know, well, why, why, why are you calling me now to discuss this? So his voice broke. His voice cracked. And he said, I'll tell you. First of all, I'm going through the same situation right now. Somebody did the same thing at work by me 40 years later. And is <clears throat> framing me for money that was put into my into my uh, desk. And now I'm being called Yosef Deganif. And I'm realizing that what I was caused, what I caused, is coming right back at me. But it's even worse than that. He tells him, I don't have to tell you this, but his, this person who knows his wife is critically, critically ill, and she's basically on her deathbed, and he's trying to figure out what could be a slip to maybe be able to save his wife. And, he's, and, he, and he just called out to him, can you please, please, please forgive me? The person, this, this David, as painful as it was, he realized that this person was in such pain. And he said to him, you know what? Um, of course, you can be relaxed. I'm Michael, you. I'm Michael, you. He said, you Michael, the Leif Shalem? With a complete Leif? He said, yeah, Leif Shalem. 
So I, he thanked me so much and told me she just know that you took off a stone of my heart and I appreciate that you that you're so understanding. I told him, don't worry, I'm happy that I'm able to help you. And Mr. Shem, we should have good news and your wife should have a full shalema. Unfortunately, after a short while, I saw I saw posted a notice of his wife passing away. And I came to be Menachem him. I came to, to, to comfort him in, in, when he was, you know, when he was sitting shiva for his wife. After a while, one day in the morning, I get a phone call, right, from him. And he says, listen, I'm, I'm about to get married again to a second wife. I'm getting married to a second wife. I want to invite you to the chasana. I'm making a very small chasana. It's basically just family and my close friends. I want you to be able to come to be there just to know that I could see that you for sure fully were Michael may believe showing and there's nothing still there that you that you really the best come participate in, in the Simcha. That's the story. So he asked the Surah of what should I do? Right? Should, do I have to go to this chasana? Right? So the Rav took a taking on this and said, I don't know how you could go to the chasana because you may I don't think you really Michael him. What do you mean, Michael him believe showing? He said, if if you were really Michael believe showing, there wouldn't be a question for you to go to the chasana right now. If you're questioning to go to the chasana, then maybe you weren't Michael believe showing. In fact, I would think that maybe you have to let him know that. Maybe he should give you something to 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 pacify you or to calm you down. Maybe he should give you a certain amount of money or something that's there. That was a discussion that went on between this rav and this um, this rav David. Now. <clears throat> this Rav happened to mention the story to one of the closest Talmidim of Chaim Kineski Zatzal, and the, the Talmud said, "I'm not so sure that he really has to give money for, for such a thing. If he was Meichelim, I think it's a Mechil." And the person went to Chaim, to Chaim, and Chaim, you know, actually held that it was enough that he said that his Meichel will have show it. And he doesn't have to give any money for it. And on the contrary, you know, he's, uh, you know, the the that he has for being Meichel should be able to work 100 percent. That's the story. What we see from this story, and there's many of these types of stories that have gone around, that aside from the fact of Claudius Israel, Claudius Israel being one unit together, and the fact that we're at Seabird together, and we're not just scattered sheep, and we're not just separate, we're together, that gives us the power to be able to fight against our enemies. And even at the times when Hashem is not necessarily available, um, <coughs> like the way Hamashu Rabbeinu told us, um, <coughs> <coughs> told us we have the Kayach as a Tzibor, right, to be able to be, make Hashem always available to us, and especially now during the first Mechubah, Hashem is available even by a, even by a Yachid, right, so the Kayach of being the Tzibor and being everyone together is powerful, and that's something which we want to try to be able to get, and for that in itself, there's a reason for us to be able to make sure that we're in good tidings with everybody, and that the Nechila, and that everyone's good, good with us, but the Kayach of hurting another Yid, offending another Yid, when there's a kapeda, when people are makbed on us and they're upset with us and there's this pain that they have, it's something which has to be rectified and it's something which can can go on for years and years and years. If a person, you know, doesn't deal with that, then then as time goes on, it gets more severe and more difficult and 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 makes things much more complicated. So for every reason we can find, let's try to figure out First of all, now, how we can keep the access now for the future, not to get into different silly rifts with other people. And if there's differences of opinion between us and other people, to work them out. And if there's any way that we offended anybody else, 
to try to work them out. Every yid wants to be closer to another yid. And there's pain that comes in between. If we find the right words, the right place, and the right time, how to be able to appease the person, and we come together as that cloud, that will be an extra schuss for all the clients who are together. It's cloud you show to come together. And with that, to be able to come to a chasima taiva bez Hashem, that when, when we come to the time of the Eva, we should have a chasima taiva, and to bring this to a true simcha bez Hashem, and to the gula shleima. Everyone should have a gemar chasima taiva, a gutzke ben shor, and the cult of bez Hashem.